Hello and welcome to Kotaku Split Screen, the podcast where we tackle video games one painfully specific topic at a time. My name is Michael Fahey. Probably. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Nathan Fahey and <laughs> Ashley Fahey. Who They're multiplying. They, they might be Nathan Grayson and Ashley Parrish. Let them say hi. They'll explain their names. Uh, yeah, no, we're both we're both officially Fahey's now. I'm, yeah. I'm on board with this. Yeah. If you podcast long enough with the Fahey, you become one. Those are the rules. We are being consumed like a gelatinous cube by Fahey. An oh. encompassing presence. The Fahey. anyway hi kids this week's topic is near and dear to many of your hearts be it for buying video games or for playing the stonk market can we say stocks anymore we have to say stonk we have to say stonk well i mean on one hand stonk is the meme but on the other hand like Elon Musk is using it and like the brands are getting in on it like i don't know i'm kind of ready to go back to the word stock Playing the stock market it is. This week's topic is GameStop. Power to the players. GameStop. You know GameStop. It's that friendly red and black sign that's been replicated through other third-party places. That So you'll see like something stop. And you'll be like, is that related to GameStop? And they'll be like, no, it's just a total ripoff. But that red and black logo has carried us gamers through, what, decades? Decades? Yeah, decades at least. Decades of gaming retail. Possibly centuries. The ancient Aztecs used to buy the stone hoops they'd throw severed Spaniards' heads through at GameStop. (laughs) Do they get (laughs) three ears of corn and trade in for a conquistador ear? Is that (laughs) only if they only if they pre-order? And and also (laughs) is this pre-order? Is this racist? Like. I don't feels no, weird. No. The, the, the no, Aztecs, killing conquistadors is praxis. Yeah, that's, no, I agree that's, with that. But I mean, the whole like trading coin—I don't know. Feels like we're getting into weird territory. Anyway, that's history. It's ancient history now. GameStop's much better now, probably. So first, I'm going to hand the reins over to Ashley Parrish to talk about. Well, you tell us what we're talking about, Ashley. So we have introduced and will summarily kill after this episode a new segment that I like to call Random Access Memories. See what I did there? I'm actually a very big Daft Punk fan. This has absolutely nothing to do with computers. But um, we conceptualized this segment to talk about our favorite memories of GameStop, whether... Going to midnight releases or finding a game that you didn't think you would love on the shelf of a GameStop or any of the many memories I'm sure all of us have of GameStop. So we're going to reminisce about the good old days when GameStop was still cool and fun and pure and not responsible for 50% of our investment portfolio. (laughs) Back when they (laughs) sold games. Yeah, and not Funko Pops. Back when they sold games and were not in perpetual danger of stopping. (laughs) <laughs> oh. oh one day that'll be a great headline game Did stop you, stops so so fahey because you're the resident old what oh is your God. favorite memory i know i'm gonna Sorry, forever call you that that's just what you that's what you are do you have a favorite GameStop related memory 
There are so many. What's weird is I don't remember when I started shopping at GameStop. I used to be a big electronics boutique fan. Wait, aren't though this didn't like one become absorbed by the other? Mm-hmm. Isn't that how that yeah. worked? Well, it was Babbage's by GameStop, and then was Babbage's part of EB? EB part of Babbage's? It's all confusing, but I don't really remember the transition between the two. It was just one day, all of a sudden, I had been going to GameStop for years. Um, <laughs> it's like it was just the realization hit me one day while standing in a GameStop with you know the guys behind the counter who knew me because I never shut the hell up, and I would I would go into GameStop and I would spend literally hours there. I couldn't go on a lunch break and pick something up. I would be there for two hours. I think during my heyday, I was working graphics. I was doing web programming during during my best GameStop years. And there was a GameStop down the street, and I'd try to go during lunch and pick up games. And I was in a situation where I had three roommates, so I was paying no rent. So mm-hmm. every payday was like, okay, here's 100 bucks towards the apartment, and let's go to GameStop and spend $500. Woohoo! My favorite times were spent. Just random. There were, there were random visits. Going there, picking out a game, striking up a conversation, um, sometimes helping customers because, because that's a thing that happens. I don't know about you guys, but when you work in video games and you're at a video game store and someone asks a question and the clerk can't answer it, it's like, okay, it's my time. Cracking the yeah, knuckles, right. stepping I, up. I totally did that too. I did not do that. And that is super that cringy is not to a think thing. back on. But like, you guys are both that um, progressive commercial where the guy is trying to de datify the other people. <laughs> oh he didn't ask you. He didn't ask you. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly us. But yeah. no, my favorite times in GameStop were those random times when you just go, I'd go by on a Saturday. I'd pick up a new game. I'd spend three or four hours just walking around talking. And they'd be like, we're closing now, Mike. You got to leave. Or eventually, we're closing now, Mike. You're going to be locked in here for 30 minutes while we continue talking. <laughs> Those people would have gotten fired back in the day. But no. Okay, I, what's back in the day? Is this like, what? what is this? When um, did GameStop start? When did GameStop start? For you, I think maybe she for means. me for GameStop for me started Wikipedia. Yeah, I know it was around 2000 when I first discovered GameStop. I think I'm going to other stores before that, but 2000 was when I had one down the street from work, and I really started going, and uh, and they really started getting sick of me. <laughs> so what about it, you, Nathan? What are your GameStop memories? Yeah, so mine are from a younger time in my life naturally um <laughs> every time but, uh, before yeah. this is a younger time in your life nathan <laughs> I, I think i meant more like younger than the period of time in your own life that you were describing Fahey, but nonetheless um you're i not jerk. i i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry go ahead i i respect you as my elder and as my family member now um yeah. but anyway yeah so i mean my my memories are like somewhat similar in that I also like, I, I realize now in hindsight, it's like, yeah, there wasn't GameStop and then suddenly there was, and they were like everywhere. Um, but yeah, I would like when, when I was younger, when I was like in, I guess, middle school and high school, I didn't have many friends who were into games. 
And so I'd go to GameStop, not really to interact with people because I have like really bad social anxiety. So I wouldn't talk to anyone, but I liked the ambient experience of being in a place where there were people who liked video games. And occasionally I'd talk to the people working behind the counter, you know, if I could like work up courage or if like they initiated conversation because they're like, I, that guy's here all the time. But yeah, other than that, it was like, I mean, I, I have one particularly fond memory of doing the whole waiting in line to get something that you pre-ordered thing. And like pre-orders are super nefarious and terrible. But at the same time, there was like, there was an event type quality to a few of the big releases back then. So I had pre-ordered the like special collector's edition of Halo 3, the one that came with the cat yep. helmet. Mm-hmm. Oh, the cat helmet. Wait, oh, cat man. helmet? Like, this yeah, is the very that's small what helmet. That everyone was like, oh, cool, a, a replica helmet. And they're like, oh, yeah, by but the I can way. wear it. And then it's like, no, it'll, it will maybe fit your cat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I thought, you, I thought you were talking about like Mjolnir armor with cat ears. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh. Elaborate. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Um, but yeah, so like I remember waiting in line, like in the mall, because the mall had closed, but they like opened the doors for people to go to GameStop specifically. to get their Halo 3 pre-orders. And so I remember really enjoying that. I remember like, because this is all interesting to me and that I spent a lot of time in GameStop. And I was just reading our article earlier today about like the GameStop of the future imagination stores that seem like not a good idea. (laughs) But the, the kind of core bone that people have to pick with those ideas is that like nobody hangs out at GameStop, but it's like, but I did. Mm -hmm. So like, Maybe there's merit to those stores. So there would have been if this was the idea in like 2005 going forward, but they didn't take advantage of that when it was a thing. Because like, I also remember standing in a GameStop and like with eyes as wide as saucers discovering Sonic Adventure 2. Mm. I, I played a demo of it on like a kiosk and I was like, oh my God, this is it. This is the game for me. This is going to change my life. And I like, no joke. I think the order of events was that I played that demo, found out that they were making special Sonic Adventure 2 themed soap shoes. You know, those shoes that let you grind on rails. Mm-hmm. Soap shoes? Yeah, they're called soaps. It was the brand. Oh. Um, and so, like, because, you know, they, they made them, like, in conjunction with, because Sonic could grind on rails and he had, like, branded shoes, basically. And I was like, oh, I got to have some. So I, like, pre-ordered some of the shoes, too. Not from GameStop, just online. Immediately. Pre-ordered shoes. Yeah. Who are you, Luke? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> That's why we get along so well. And like, I never, I never grinded on a rail with those shoes. Like, are you kidding me? I, I was a very not danger prone child. I was like, Jesus, no, that's way too high up. That is multiple feet off the ground. I am going to stay on the ground where it is safe and their gravity still works. But yeah, so like, similarly to Fahey over, like, I, I don't know. I just remember going there and hanging out a lot and like, I, I also, I, I think if not for GameStop, I probably wouldn't be in games journalism because a lot of the time I spent there, I spent reading magazines mm-hmm. and ultimately buying magazines and then reading them in the middle of class, like in middle school and high school. And if not for those formative events, probably I wouldn't have wound up where I am today. Aww. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that both of your formative social experiences revolve around being in a GameStop, but I have not, I don't like many things. I do not share that experience at all because it's just a little bit different with me and my family. My earliest memories of GameStop are my mall and 
it was, I had to get glasses. I didn't always have glasses. So the first time I went to get fitted for glasses, the lens crafters was right next door to the GameStop. So while my mom was working on glasses or whatever, I couldn't stray too far from her because, you know, I'm like, what, eight, nine, 10. Mm-hmm. Like my mom kept a very short leash around me and my sister, especially in public settings. So I would like kind of scoot toward the front of the store to kind of like peek around the entrance to like see like what's going on in the GameStop and I would like look from afar, like wistfully, like, gosh, I wish I could be in there instead of this boring glasses store. <laughs> and we would have to walk past the GameStop to to get to wherever else we were going to the mall or to get back to our car or whatever. And I remember I would have to, I would try to linger in front of the GameStop to just look and just like maybe passively absorb everything that I could while passing by before I inevitably had to catch up before my mom would like holler my name very loudly in the store. Because that's something that she would do. Wow. <laughs> Black people understand this. If you, <laughs> the whole like call your name, like if you're going outside to play, you have to stay within earshot of your mother yelling oh, yeah. for you to come home. It, it was, it's like that. And you didn't want to do that in a public space. So you had to kind of keep close. But GameStop for me isn't really, I don't have too many memories of that kind of place because for the longest time, games were bought for me. I never had money of my own that I would use. And even if I did, it wasn't something that I could just spend on video games until I got a lot bit older when my father, because my mom and my dad were divorced, um, my father's idea of spending time with me was to give me, you know, 50 bucks and unleash me in a mall and say, hey, I'll come back later, which is fine by me. And what I would do Mm -hmm. then is that's when I would have, uh, I would go to a GameStop and like peruse through the aisles, looking at all the games. And that's how I'm pretty sure I bought all of the Final Fantasy games that I own right now, just through that like interaction. But it was never a place where I could just hang out because I was never like kind of really allowed to hang out. It was just like a go in, get your business done and come out. It wasn't until I was much older that that place became of more significance to me as this place that you go to, you know, buy games, check out demos and the just worship see. of the altar of gaming. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my relationship is a little bit different, but I'm curious, since we're talking about our first memories, uh, what do you, do you guys have last memories? Like when was the last time you were in a GameStop? Oh, oh I, very I got this question. The last time I was in a GameStop was about, I want to say about two years ago. That sounds right to me. I had just gotten my new wheelchair. Uh, for those of you listening and uh, don't know, I'm paralyzed from the chest down. And that happened recently, about three years ago, uh, three and a half years ago, 2018. I went into a GameStop in my wheelchair, and I wasn't looking for video games because I I get them all digitally now, like many people. I was looking for toys. I was looking for some Bandai models, some uh, some Gundam stuff, maybe a Figma or two. Why did you go to GameStop for that? Because it's one of the few places I normally will buy them online, but it's one of the few places you can go nowadays uh, in my area where they have them on display so you can get them immediately. Hmm. You can walk out of the store with a bag and a, and, a, and a Figma imported Mario in your hand. Unless your wheelchair is way too wide for the aisles, or conversely, the aisles are way too skinny for a wheelchair to pass through. Uh, it was the most frustrating visit I'd ever had. Uh, the GameStop, located in uh, in Roswell, Georgia, off of Mansell Road. Uh, in case <laughs> anyone wants out. to go visit, yeah, I'm calling out. And and <laughs> and 
it'll become clear later why, but uh, that one in particular, they had just crammed the shelves of toys so close to each other that I was tearing things down as I rode through in my wheelchair. I mean, I'm a big man. I have a large electric wheelchair. And uh, I... Not one employee said anything to me as I knock shit over either. I was rolling through feeling so embarrassed, picking things up with my little reacher cane. And the employees were just avoiding eye contact with me. So I couldn't even, they weren't even saying, oh man, I'm sorry about that. They were just like, okay, unless he knocks over the entire aisle, I think we're okay. And I left and I came back and I complained on Twitter actually about it at, at one point. I was like, GameStop, what the hell? Why can't I get through your aisles? I wanted to buy a Funko Pop, which is what you sell now, and I couldn't even get one. I it's 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 weird that being feeling so welcome in a place for so many years, and then suddenly feeling like it wasn't my place anymore. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. kind of sad. Yeah, it's very was, sad. It is sad. I was going to say, I was, it's interesting that your GameStop has aisles because. My conception of the store now is just a big box with all the games on the wall and maybe like <laughs> one or two like little islands in the middle that have like all their merch shit on it. Like they don't have aisles anymore. Oh, yeah. Mine mine would have uh, they, they set up rows, but they give you maybe two and a half feet from the wall to the aisles where the toys are. Um, and, and, and towards the back, you get the shelves, the random shelves in the middle of the floor for no reason in the merch. But the, since it's so toy-centric, they, they've set up actual shelves in front of the registers, and it's all confusing. That's been a while since. Maybe they've all changed that now. Maybe they're all open floor concept. With yeah, the, no, it's just like a, it's like an Apple store now. It's like white walls, and there's like a single game in the center, and that's the <laughs> only thing they sell. They're like, this is GameStop. We have one game. Game Informer you stop gave here it for a the 10. game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, my, my story of my last GameStop visit is far less interesting. Um, I was on, I was on one of those, like, you know, when you, when you're trying to like find some sort of item that no store has, I was on one of those quests. Mm. I don't remember what I was looking for. I feel like it was either the Nintendo switch itself or like a piece of hardware related to the switch, whether it was like a charger or a memory card or something. And I could not find it anywhere. And I walked into a GameStop just to see if they had it. They didn't have it, and I left. I remember seeing, like, you know, yeah, just shelves over, or not even shelves, but, like, just lots of toys everywhere, like toys Mm -hmm. and shirts and things Mm -hmm. like that. Clearly, they've converted over this. Like, it's funny to me. I think that what has happened, and this is a truly, like, teenage me would be over the moon about this, but what has happened is that GameStop and Hot Topic have converged. They have become one place. And like Teenage Me was all about going to Hot Topic to like buy shirts because they had band shirts and video and like nerd shirts. And I was like, that's it. This is my place. So the fact that those two things are now in many ways one and the same, on one hand, it's like thrilling to some previous iteration of me. And it's just like the saddest thing in the world in reality. Just like, yeah, mm. the mall as a concept has died. And this is what it leaves behind. Yeah, you've never Aww. been a 40-year-old man in a Hot Topic. Six-foot-six 40-year-old man with a beard in a Hot Topic. That you know of. That you know of. <laughs> you, you, may, you may have. Shopping for gauges for my ears. 
uh, in the mall as everyone else is going getting their, their little t-shirts or their My Little Ponies. I have. That's a beautiful. GameStop's still a little bit more welcoming than that. Just a little bit. My um, my story of the last time I was in a GameStop is even more less interesting than Nathan's because I actually did not go in myself because of uh, COVID. But it, it actually has not been like several years as it's been for most of you folks because my partner is a very big physical media person. He If he wants a game, he does not buy it digitally. He just doesn't. He refuses. So which means we either go to Walmart if we want a game or we go to GameStop, which is right across the street from the Walmart. Um, so he wants the the Dark Pictures anthology, the same people who did um, Until Dawn. He likes those games. Man they're okay. Madan and something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. The the one after Man of Medan is the one that he wanted. So the last time we went to GameStop, like I drove and I drove him there to get the game, and we got the game. He went in, I didn't, and that was that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think he is the person that is single handedly keeping that GameStop alive because he doesn't buy digital media, so they, they still have a place. Um, so yeah, those are those are our GameStop memories. Um, Fahey, what are we gonna talk about next? What are we going to talk about next? We're going to talk about taking a break. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. We're back. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that word from our sponsor, if it was there. And if not, (laughs) I hope you enjoyed just a weird transition. We're still talking about GameStop, but now we're going to talk about it from a slightly different angle. I, you may not know this, I worked at a GameStop. (gasps) Nathan might have worked for GameStop. And Ashley worked at a place similar to GameStop in this segment we're calling Water Cooler Talk. Where we're all gathered around talking about our jobs. At former Kingston, jobs. Former jobs. Now, before we get into my experience, I'm interested in hearing from Ashley because I used to walk by FYEs all the time. Go ahead and tell us about that. So, FYE is, um, I don't know, nobody in the correct age demographic that's listening to this <laughs> will probably remember <laughs> Sam Goody, but it's. <laughs> I, it's like a wait. Does music that mean store? I'm not in the correct age? I, for some reason, I conceptualize our listeners being far younger than yeah. No, it's all, it's of all us. Zoomers. They're all, yeah. Our entire base is just very, very young people. They're like they listen to our podcast while like recording TikToks and talking exactly. about how millennials are garbage people. Sam, yeah. Goodies. So it it's a place that sells CDs of all things, and um. It sells CDs and DVDs and like kind of mishmash electronic stuff and like 
nerdy stuff. And uh, of late, it's completely transitioned to the whole Funko Pop thing. But it used to be primarily <laughs> a place where you can go buy music and and movies when people still bought those things. They don't anymore. And we also, we were one of the rare FYEs that also sold video games. And we are one of those places where you can bring in your old shit and we'll give you money for it or store credit. So I was in a very unique position because of where my GameStop was located. I live in Cleveland and there's a place in the middle of downtown called Tower City, which is like this big mall that is utterly completely defunct right now for the most part. But for some reason, it still hangs on. And because of the area of Cleveland and where it was located and what it was near and was not near to, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of near like the economically depressed area of Cleveland. So what would happen is a lot of people who don't have like great internet or enough, you know, money to like put on streaming services would come to FYE and buy like movies. One of our most popular like little things that people would want to buy are mini HDMI cords so they could connect their phone to their TV so they could use their phone to like stream Netflix and stuff over their cell phone plan, that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. So people would come and they would trade in their video games to get cash to buy more video games. We would have old things. Do you remember that uh, PS3 game, Mag? Mag, yes. Massive action game. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We were still selling that game when the servers for it shut down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, no. Um, that, that yeah, your you number an- one bestseller. Y'all have the biggest, <laughs> your city had the biggest mag community in the world. It was on yeah, the editor's picks shelf. Oh, yeah, so we would have these like super old games that like have been completely defunct. And if you bought it, you would never be able to play it because the servers are shut down. But, you know, nobody knew that. And we kind of weren't like high priority on the list for like the best and newest releases. So, you know, we've got tons of mags on our shelves and Did shit. Did you ever tell people like if, if somebody bought mag, were you ever like, hey, so I wouldn't buy that because like it's not going to work? <laughs> or did you it, just let them? No, no, I it didn't. Hope, thankfully, it did not run into a situation where I had to do that. But funny, it, it's because it's in Tower City and it's in the middle of downtown. It's also connected to like the Ritz-Carlton where the Cleveland Cavaliers would like stay or like visiting like NBA teams would like stay. So they would like occasionally come down to Tower City because their, their hotel was right upstairs and they needed like a pair of headphones or something. And I remember frequent times where like there would be some big NBA player in and everybody would be like, oh my God, oh my God. And I, you know, because I have no idea of of anybody in meat sports, except for like LeBron James. I would have no idea who these people are. And I would just like wait on them and they buy their like $200 Beats headphones. And I'm like, yeah, here you go. And everybody's and like, like, oh my God. And I'm like, I have no idea who you are. You'd be like, have a good day. would you like a copy of Mag with that? <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing about Mag was that it was 16 cents. Like you could buy it for 16 cents. But we, oh, we really? Yeah. <laughs> it was 16 cents? That's, That's like half a cent, half a cent per player for the no, it was two hundred fifty six, but the thirty two player action they had in the beginning. That's half a cent per player. Of course, yeah, there are no incredible. players at that point. So. That that's that's my that's my experience at Fye, the GameStop adjacent. See, the store is closed now. It makes me sad every time I go to Tower City. Well, let me let me uh, Nathan. Do you want to go next, or do you want me to go? Uh, yeah, sure. Just because I. When we were brainstorming this episode, I remembered a weird experience I had in 2011. Uh, in an alternate universe, I am currently destitute. 
because <laughs> um, GameStop oh, no. tried to hire me in 2011 to be like a community manager for them, like for the brand. Um, I, I dug up the email. Uh, let's see. They're like, Nathan, could you email or call me? I wanted to talk to you about an upcoming position we have for a community manager. Hope to hear from you, but I bet you are at QuakeCon today because it was no. indeed oh, wow. QuakeCon. QuakeCon. I, I lived in Dallas, so I was doing that. This was back when I was just like beginning to be a freelancer. So I'm not really sure how these people even found out about me, but nonetheless, they did try to do that. I remember, I think I took this call. I talked to them about the position and like, I just didn't really love the idea of, you know, being in any sort of advertising adjacent field. Um, and especially not at GameStop. Cause I think even back then, even in 2011, you could already kind of feel the winds changing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know if this is the the card I want to hitch my horse to, because uh, it looks like it's going off a cliff. Um, and then you chose games media. Yeah, yeah. So that's the really funny part to me is that, like, in an alternate universe, things would be slightly worse than they are <laughs> for me right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I mean, at the same time, though, I got to say, take that past me or take that alternate universe me because I made a bit better of a decision. <laughs> you know, we'll check back in a few years, maybe GameStop because of this whole stock thing will like make a huge rebound and then like games media will just go off a cliff. But at the same time, okay, so here's, here's what we need to have happen. Wall Street bets, start putting money in video games media, short squeeze that so that you can Actually, buy us all many more years or just buy us. A very good possible alternative. Hey, please tell us of your tales of the GameStop. My tales of the GameStop. Now, I used to hang out at that GameStop near my work back in 2000. And I hung out so much that eventually they just hired me to work on weekends uh, for, I think it was two years, maybe three years in a row. I worked weekends. I worked game late night game closing openings. Uh, I worked, I was working with them when the PlayStation four, PlayStation three, sorry. And the, Wii were coming out. I was working oh. for GameStop, which was 2006. Yeah. That was back during the like great Wii riots of Oh seven. Yep. I remember that. And 2006 is also when I started working for Kotaku at the same time. In fact, November of 2006 is when I started with Kotaku, and I was still working for GameStop. So as I was covering the launch of the Wii and the PlayStation 3, I was also covering the launch, uh, covering GameStop for the launch of the Wii and PS3. <laughs> in so you were the man on the inside. I was yeah, the on man the ground on the inside. In fact, when the PS3 was coming out, the company was very concerned about not having enough stock for customers. So they told all the employees that you could not get a PlayStation 3 on launch day, no matter what. If they saw you pick up a PS3 on launch day, they would fire you. But I had already used my trade-in credit. Here, here's what we would do. For trade-in credit, when we worked at GameStop, um, since we were getting bonuses for trade, or for, for pre-orders, we would put money down on pre-orders. And we would just pre-order everything. Me, the manager there at the time, we would put money down on pre-orders. And then 
when the game came out that we actually wanted, we would cash in all those pre-orders on some poor, unfortunate employee who would get negative pre-orders for the day. Wow. And use all those $5 downs to buy something we actually wanted. So you buffed your stats and then use those stats for stuff you cared about to tank somebody else's? Yes. Oh. Man, you were There's a special place in gamer hell for you. Bets. It was like doing <laughs> weird stuff on Wall Street. You were you pioneered this. <laughs> but I'd also you were I'd short also, squeezing employees. I'd also trade in stuff and, and towards the consoles. So I had a PlayStation 3 fully paid off on the day of the PS3 launch. Now I could not get it. And that morning, I was up all night covering the launches, the launch from various different stores, Best Buy, Toys R Us. I was I camped out in lines with people. That morning, I went to the GameStop where I worked, and the fucking district manager was there. I don't remember her name. I think it was Karen. <laughs> it might as well have been Karen. So what I, I ended up sleeping in the PetSmart parking lot across the street. Not PetSmart. It was one of the smaller ones, like Petland. But I slept in there across the street until one of the other employees called me and said she's gone. <laughs> and then I ran in and got my PlayStation 3. Nice. But what eventually happened was I was working for GameStop at the time and working for Kotaku. And in various Kotaku stories, I would say, hey, I'm a GameStop employee, so I know some stuff about this. One day, while working at my third job, which was a web design, I had a full-time web design job, part-time Kotaku, part-time GameStop. Uh, GameStop corporate called me and told me to stop mentioning that I worked for GameStop. That's funny. And Did they say why? Like, they, why? They just didn't want me as a news person mentioning that I had some kind of inside GameStop knowledge. I mean, they didn't want yeah. people thinking that I was an insider giving out information. So what I did was I called my manager and I said, hey, uh, corporate just called and told me to stop mentioning I work for GameStop. So I'm just going to stop working for GameStop. <laughs> So I, don't, I don't really. And that need was this. the day that Fahey stopped. I didn't really need the discount. I missed not getting the uh, the Barnes and Noble discount. Yeah, that is a bummer. But you know, you know, we make sacrifices in life. We do. I, I have a question for you about your time at GameStop. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was already like prime. You know, get everybody to pre-order things era. Like, yeah. how how much did they like drill it into you that you had to get people to pre-order stuff? How much was that like an incentive in all of your sales? Like that's the, you know, that's the meme around GameStop to this day. It's like, it's all pre-orders. It was like, a, it was an all-prevailing concern. As a seasonal employee who only worked on, on you know, I would work a day on the weekends and then I'd work during the holidays. The pressure wasn't on me because I didn't give a shit. I, I, <laughs> I didn't have to be there every day. But the other people, you could feel the weight of pre-orders as oh. they walked around the store. And 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 I would be stocking shelves and listening to them go on and on about how important pre-orders were, and and then I turn around after the customers lead left, and I went, "Man, this is no way to live." And they're like, hmm. "Not really, no." It yeah, was forced. I mean, we had to do it. You had to do it. There there were evaluations. If you didn't do it, someone else was going to do it. It's very competitive. You almost think we were working on commissions, but we weren't. It's opposite commissions. It was. It was do good or be fired instead of, you know, do good and make a good living. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was reading some accounts earlier today of just like what it's like to work there now. And it sounds like it's gotten even more miserable. But I figured that even back then it was probably pretty miserable. 
Like we were told by higher ups to tell people when they came in for a game that was big, there were times when our higher ups would say things like, tell them it's not in if they didn't pre-order and tell them, you know, next time you're going to have to pre-order it and then you make like, sure you get that. Denying yourself a sale today. Yeah, right. Yeah, on That's, hopes of on a hopes. sale. That's exactly what yeah. it was. The, well, they knew it's an important, like you know, Halo 3 you were talking about. That's going to sell off their shelves eventually. You know, if they teach someone the lesson, you know, they'll, they'll, and maybe they'll <laughs> come back and put $5 down and we can just have $5 for months and months for no reason. No, yeah, that, I love that's to just run when my, they go to Walmart. We can I, invest I love, that $5 in some stunks. I, I love to run my video game retail chain like a mafia. Hmm. Like we'll that's, teach them a lesson. That's the way to do it. You got to make an example of some of these fool customers. Right. When they come up to try to buy a game, you have to break their kneecaps and then be like, Look, everyone, this is what happens. This is what happens. You know what happens now? We're going to have another break. And we're back from whatever just happened in that break, be it a short pause or an actual ad. And we have a very special guest here who I will let Nathan Grayson introduce. Yeah, sure. We can just like kind of pass this off and everybody can slowly, we can work our way around to eventually, eventually introducing. It's your segment, Ethan. Nathan. Our, mm-hmm. our very own, Kotaku's own Ethan, the newsman, who has been doing a whole lot of work on covering the GameStop stock. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Stuff. Ethan the Newsman? Is that yeah, because Ethan you didn't want to try to pronounce his last name? I was going to say, that's a clever way of getting out of yeah, pronouncing that was really I, I was watching. Yeah, I was waiting. I was like, is he going to try? <laughs> no, I would never. Um, but anyway, Ethan, for all of us, how do you pronounce your last name? It is pronounced Gatch. Uh, Gatch. Like, like Gatch. Catch. Um, right. according to my, really my late grandfather, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm it's unclear it where the years. name really comes from, but that's how he said it okay. was pronounced. That's fantastic. Well, Ethan, the newsman Gatch, welcome to Kotaku split screen. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me, all of you. It's great to yeah. be here. Um, so yeah, you've been doing a lot of writing about GameStop stocks and I think at this point, you know, we're kind of on the downward trend portion of that whole progression. But uh, yeah, so I mean, to begin, kind of like, where are things at at the moment? And like, how do you see this playing out? I think you, you wrote a really good piece the other day about how like GameStop stocks won't save you. Um, so yeah, what is your sort of takeaway from well, all of this madness? As a connoisseur of the stocks and the uh, Wall Street Journal and other uh, fine publications. Um, <laughs> I have a very expert opinion on all of this. And no, it's, I, it is winding down. It's interesting. Last week it was kind of like, I think a very big deal. And I, it goes to show how people's attention spans are that like, I think even just by like Monday, everyone was like, all right, that was cool. I'm sick of hearing about it. Like new thing. And the stock itself has been yesterday was plummeting, which is to say that it dropped by, hundreds of dollars over the last couple of days, but it's still up around a hundred dollars, which again, you know, just a couple months ago would have been unthinkable for GameStop, uh, who, which is been nuts. 
you know, you know, was a mostly $5 for a lot of last year. And yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say right now there's, you know, this whole thing is, there's a bunch of day traders on Reddit, a, Reddit, a subreddit called wall street bets who long story short, got really in on GameStop for both financial reasons, but also it became this sort of meme and it dragged in a bunch of other people who were just kind of excited to be part of this moment. And now there's this sort of existential crisis of like, Oh wait, you know, the, the floor is falling out from under us and it's a bunch of people trying to tell one another to hold the line and to not sell and unclear if they think it'll, it's because, Oh, we can get it back up to where it was and people can, can kind of get out and make their money. Or if they think like there's some like long game here that like, it's, it's like a, you know, just out of pure principle. And it's unclear how much of that is just people trying to manipulate one another. And it's like I can egg other people to to keep you know spinning the plates so that I can be the one to get out without mind breaking, and yeah, so it's 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 hard to know like if it's going to continue to plummet or just slowly you know because the, the the one of the driving factors is there's there's these other hedge funds who are also like behind the scenes moving money around and they're all betting on this too now and so it's it's hard to know who's really pulling the levers at this point. And I think that's that's led to a lot more conspiracies and confusion and it's become a much messier story than it was even a week ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned that and that you mentioned like people trying to manipulate each other and things like that, because I think initially a lot of people are like, Oh, this is an example of like what can happen if people, you know, use collective action against these like major U S like financial institutions or like just institutions in general. And I mean, I, I think that that positioning of this entire event might have been a little bit wrong. Just, completely not really what happened. Am I correct in that assessment? I, yeah, I, at the risk of getting a bunch of angry people to chase me off Twitter, <laughs> uh, I, I, I think it was an oversimplification. I, I think, you know, in fairness, I don't know how much, you know, when the media descends on a thing that's happening, they have to come up with like, what does this mean? And I think I even having the luxury of writing my sort of take on it earlier this week got to like, see things ebb and flow over a week as opposed to being like, all right, GameStop is doing this crazy thing. And then the next day being like, here's what it all means. It's like, you know, nobody really knows. And I think there was, I think some people, you know, I think there's a combination of boredom of people being holed up in their houses and being like, you know, Oh, I've got, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks. I'll go on commission free apps like Robinhood and throw some trades around not only because it might be fun, but also because like, yeah, it'd be cool to like try and uh, stick it to, these nefarious financial forces, which, you know, are, don't really have faces, but like people know the system itself kind of sucks. And so like, yeah, if this is messing up their day and they don't like it and there's people on CNBC who are complaining about it, then sure, I'll, I'll get it on that. Um, in the long run though, obviously there's, there's some people who were in early and making tons of money and other people who got in late and are losing tons of money. And, you know, there was this, this moment where the wall street Reddit was full of people kind of talking about their success stories of like, I just made 6,000 bucks and now I can pay off this debt or I can get this surgery for my dog or I can help my parents with like rent and stuff. Um, and I think definitely some of those were probably true. Um, I, I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I don't know if maybe some of them, I think at a certain point, especially were partly manipulating to be like, you know, trying to make everyone feel good about what was going on and to continue and be like, yeah, this is really part of a movement. This is like us fighting back. And, you know, cause it's Reddit and it, 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 it could be a dog on the other end of it. And it's like, you know, <laughs> no one really knows, like it's, it's very easy for them to get taken over in certain ways. I mean, now there's people are saying that like the Reddit exploded in users and there's millions now, and there's now people 
arguing that most of those users are bots and it's being infiltrated by all these nefarious forces. And so, yeah, it's, I think now it, it, there was obviously a sliver of that, I think, because it was cathartic. I think people watching it were like, it is cool to see these people complain and to see people who were accused of insider trading in the past now have their hedge funds blow up. But obviously, the bigger thing was always that, like, you know, people are betting on Wall Street to make money and and they'll lie and cheat and say whatever, whether it's on Wall Street bets or in the big offices. And so, yeah, I think it's that. that's why your, your ultimate takeaway is always going to be like, yeah, this thing is rigged and you don't like you don't beat a rigged game from within it. Like you got to come from some other angle. Yeah, absolutely. They've kind of built their own little hell, haven't they? Where they're all like, okay, woo, look at this cool thing. we did. Now, when do we get out? When we hold the line you're saying that was, yeah, that was great. It was, it was really weird to start seeing, you know, it's, it's hard to always like gauge when in a Reddit of millions of people, like where the mood is at and where the trend is. But like, you can see more and more comments at different points popping up to be like, all right, so wait, when's the exit? When do we, when did we, when did the hedge funds <laughs> yeah, turn down? Game like, here? It's at 400. Can I sell now? And like, obviously some people did because some people did get money. And, but then, you know, there's, I think, so I think there are, you know, one of the points made was that there are some very sophisticated people on wall street bets, you know, X wall street people, people who have Bloomberg terminal, people who can do, complex analyses. And then there are lots of other people who are just there hanging out and like, this is cool. I'm in on, you know, whatever this is going on, or they're there just because they want to like use foul language or like be edgelordy <laughs> and stuff. And so you do sort of see those cracks and, and because of the nature of Reddit, you know, the social media aspect, the one thing that people are trying to be like, well, what does it mean that like a social media platform is able to do this? I think one of the things is you go to the homepage of wall street bets and you just see the most up, uh, voted posts by like 40 million or 40,000, 50,000. And there's like all of this churn underneath that, that most people will never see. And so it, it becomes a very skewed conversation very quickly by the nature of just the platform. Right. So my question, what does this ultimately mean for GameStop? The, <laughs> w- what happens to them now? Because yeah, it I'm... seems like they are, you know, despite all this buzz, they're not seeing a lick of this. No. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, I, I know that also in your piece, Ethan, you talked about like what GameStop workers are going through at the moment, and it still seems real bad for them. Yeah, so one of the one of the most quiet uh, player in all of this is GameStop itself, which is not, to my knowledge, really put out a statement. They have not issued more stock, which is the thing you would normally do if your stock is in high demand. You would. Uh, sell more shares of it. And then you can use that money to pay off debt, which AMC did, or you can use it to, God forbid, uh, give a bonus or hazard pay to your employees that are currently working in stores during a pandemic. Uh, Because I I did speak to a number of uh, people working in different stores who, you know, the reaction was either like, yeah, like this is barely a thing. Like no one has even talked about it. My manager didn't even know about it. Or people come in, customers, and they like joke about it and it becomes annoying very quickly. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the third thing being like, yeah, it kind of sucks to see this money shooting around and people, you know, headlines of like, oh, so-and-so just was able to sell stock and get this much money. Well, meanwhile, they're making between minimum wage up to like $15 in some cases if you're a store manager, which comes with tons of responsibility and headache and, you know, overtime hours. And just kind of, you know, looking, they're sitting there looking like, where's my, you know, what's the end game for us? Like, because one of the big things about this rally on Wall Street was people thinking like Ryan Cohen, a new board member on GameStop, who is famous for this pet food selling website, Chewy. It was the idea was like, he's going to revolutionize 
the brand to be an online entity that is basically like, you know, how can we be still selling people games, but basically not have physical locations? Like it'll go, you know, sent directly to your house. A lot of people now they'll do big sales on the GameStop website and you can buy stuff and it ships pretty well. And, you know, that end game is not to have these people be in the stores working anymore. And so it's like this, even the success scenario for, for GameStop as a financial entity does not necessarily lead to success for the people who have been working in their stores for you know years or upwards of a decade. So it all sucks. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to see. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, at, at, at best, it made their work a little more interesting. But I think ultimately, I, I mean, this might have derailed the plans to make it the whole online entity at this point. It, it may have hastened the hastened hastened hastened. Well, now hastened. I'm lost. It may have hastened the company's demise at this point, uh, which uh, I it feels really long and drawn out at this point, doesn't it? Shouldn't GameStop have died uh, several years ago at this point? Well, Ethan, you weren't here when uh, earlier when we were talking about our memories of GameStop and Fahey working at GameStop and you know trading all of those good times that we had. What, how would all of us feel if GameStop were to go to the way of the dinosaur? I mean, I, I would be disappointed. I mean, it's, it's hard. It's, um, you know, watching the movie, which I have a real soft spot for, which I don't know what that says about me, but uh, you've got mail, which is about this uh, independent bookstore in New York fighting against this Barnes and Noble, like retail giant. And, you know, you, you, it's re- it reminds you that in the 90s, there was this sense of like Barnes and Noble coming in and just completely shuttering all these local bookstores and people hated it. And it was this faceless giant. And now I look around and there's like one Barnes and Noble within a 50 mile radius of me. And it's mm. like the one place I can go to actually like physically look at books and like they play jazz and, you know, you can kind of sit and hang. And it's like it's nice compared to what the alternatives are at this point. And that's that's where GameStop sort of is for me, where it's. I don't like going in there being upsold stuff or being told to like, you know, being walked through these convoluted trade deals and other stuff that even a lot of the people working there don't always understand because they're just trotted out by the marketing team every other week. Um, But it is a place where you can go and there's there's a bunch of games on the wall and they've got used games that are often decently priced and you can talk to other people who are at least excited about stuff. And so it is like. There's not really an alt. I mean, there. I think fortunately are more and more like retro used game stores around that you can go and find similar sorts of people. But I, I mean, I, I would hope that in the future there is a room for a place where you can go. You know, in the same way, I wish there were still music shops that you could go and just like talk to strangers about music and like have that connection in a community that wouldn't exist otherwise. Right. I mean, yeah. I think that like on the one hand, you know, you, you mentioned Barnes and Noble specifically and how it sort of like came in and took over and displaced all of these like smaller bookstores. And so I guess my kind of hope there is that when these giant, and like, I, I know that in a lot of cases it doesn't work this way, but still like when these giants collapse, it creates maybe a little bit of space for like specialist, you know, mom and pop shops to exist again, because they're not being just crushed completely by these like behemoths that can just plop down wherever and, you know, take up like all the good real estate and pull in all the customers. And so they're going to be bought by Amazon. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's just going to be somebody else. It's going to be somebody else using them. But I mean, like, you know, as, as a lot of retailers and like just goods and services in general move online, then, you know, maybe, maybe like at least there can be some places that serve more of like a, 
the function of not just selling things, but also being a place that you go to. Like there's a lot of that in, you know, the the tabletop world. Maybe there's room for that in video games too. I mean, they're land cafe cafes and stuff. So. Yeah. I, I was gonna say there's a place here in Atlanta and I will plug them because they're good and their food's awesome, called Battle and Brew in uh, Sandy Springs. It is a it is a effectively replaced back when I could, you know, get around more easily before the wheelchair. It effectively was a place where you could go and talk about games. They have computers, they have consoles set up. They serve food, they serve alcohol, and that was the gathering spot. And it got to the point where uh, one of the times I was there was during uh, one of the League of Legends championships. And man, I felt so at home there. I knew Mm -hmm. nothing about League of Legends, but I felt, you know, here's the gathering of gamers. We're all geeks. We kind of were in simpatico. We vibed. The whole whole place was just vibing with video games. (laughs) That's what I used to get from GameStop. Uh, that's what I'd get from a convention when I'd go to a sci-fi convention mm. with a gaming room and I'd hang out in there. It's still around. We're just going to have to find new places to get it. And I think it's going to it's gonna go. It, bookstores will be the same way. They're going to have to open book clubs where you can go, like actual physical book clubs where you can hang out and talk to people who like reading books. Maybe that's the future. We can get rid of all these re- horrible retail spaces and... And have places where we can go and think and hang out and have fun and get all our crap online and bring it there and say, look what we got. <laughs> yeah, I like the future of GameStop that envisions it as like a Korean PC bong mm-hmm. where you can just go and pay for time and play on a PC or play on a PlayStation 4 or whatever the latest console is and just hang out and vibe. As Vahey said, I like that idea. Uh, it's too bad covid yeah. will kill that idea in the crib and probably not let it have the legs to well no it doesn't affect it doesn't affect babies <laughs> wow. it does affect babies i'm sorry there it is That's there we our, go as we usual found, we found our note. ending point on that note i would like to give a special thanks to ethan gotch gotch gotcha well, now that I know how to say your last name, I'm never going to stop saying your last name. Thanks, Ethan, for being here. I appreciate it. We all appreciate it. Yeah, we do. Um, where, where can yeah. we find you, Ethan? Yeah. If you want to plug your pluggables. Uh, I guess my pluggable is the website. <laughs> you can find me on Kotaku.com <laughs> and on Twitter website. at Ethan Gatch. Um, yeah, no, thank you all so much for having me. It was, it was really nice chatting with you. Is your is your Twitter at Ethan Gatch? Yeah, it's just my name. Oh, really? I thought it, the American Truck Song is just a handle? Yeah, it's just the handle. Oh my God! You're it can so be lucky. changed. Yeah. Well, while we're at it, I'm Mike Fahey. I'm on Twitter at Uncle Fahey. Nathan Grayson's on Twitter at Vaughn sixteen V A H N sixteen. Ashley Parrish is on Twitter at Ad Astra. It's Astra, right? Yeah. A D A S A S H T R A. Yep. And you can email us at splitscreen at Kotaku dot com. Uh, our producer is Michaela Hack. Our sound engineer is Jamie Colazzo. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We love you. <laughs>